0: Welcome in to Brewers Weekly here on WTMJ. My name is Matt Pawley. I have you for the next hour or so, taking you until 9 o'clock as we do all things Milwaukee Brewers baseball today for the next hour or so. If you'd like to join us, talk some baseball, you can do so at 414-799-1620 or the AccuNet Mortgage toll-free talk line 800-877-1620. This is the first spring training edition of Brewers Weekly. We kind of have three seasons, maybe four seasons. We the, the longest season is the regular season editions of Brewers Weekly, and those are few and far between because they play a lot on Thursday nights, so we don't have shows. Then you have the uh, the postseason editions as baseball posting is going on. Then the off season stuff, which has been the last uh, few months, and now spring training is underway. Pitchers and catchers have already reported full squad uh Showing up tomorrow, first full squad workout on Saturday, and before you know it... We are going to have Milwaukee Brewers baseball. We'll have some of the uh, spring training games, as always, right here on WTMJ. And before you know it, we'll be sitting at, uh, at Miller Park watching some baseball and looking forward to it. Again, if you'd like to join us today, 414-799-1620 or the AccuNet Mortgage toll-free talk line at 800-877-1620. Here's what we've got on the program this evening. And going to get into a lot of things and really a lot of, a lot of what spring training is is taking the issues that that exist and trying to kind of work through them and get the best possible outcome with whatever those issues might be. And as spring training moves along, there's going to be more issues that arise. I, I have a hard time believing... You know, right now, we kind of view the competition for the starting rotation being a seven-person competition, meaning seven people are, are involved in the, in the five spots, and I think some of those spots are locked up, some are not, but I would be shocked, I would be absolutely shocked if all seven of those guys have zero health issues through the course of spring training. That just doesn't happen, and... Uh, that's that's where issues are gonna pop up. So here's what we've got on the program today and what we're gonna talk about. I've been I've been holding this till now because well now the season's kinda here and now we get to really start seeing how guys are, are performing. But Junior Guerra last year was fantastic. Junior Guerra was the the single biggest surprise from last year's team. A guy who you you know a year ago at this time you'd never heard of him really. A few months earlier from this time last year, he had um, got him picked up off uh, off waivers from uh, the White Sox, but he was looked at as a total minor league guy. You really he just he didn't he didn't factor into anything. And then spring training gets started, and he's competing more than anything else for a bullpen job because he hasn't been a starter. He doesn't make the team. He goes to Colorado Springs. He puts up okay numbers in Colorado Springs. They start using him as a starter there. You have uh, Willie Peralta just falling apart here. So so some sort of move has to be made. I guess that wasn't Willie Peralta. Garza started again when Peralta. I don't remember what the move was. Was it it Taylor Youngman, maybe? Uh, I'm I'm trying to remember who it was that was really struggling that resulted in Gara coming up. I think it was Youngman. Uh, yeah, so it was, it was Taylor Youngman who was really struggling, and then eventually they just have to do something. And it was like, well, nobody at A is putting up that good a number, so let's just call up this Gara guy. He's a veteran. He's uh, he's had a touch of big league time with the White Sox, and, and let's go from there. And he turns into just a, a fantastic season. So can can we just pencil him in? again for this year, for another sub-3 ERA year, for another year where he wins three times as many games as he loses, or should we be worried about kind of that sophomore season and whether or not he's going to regress to the mean? So we'll talk about that uh, coming up. Chase uh, Chase, uh, Anderson went through his arbitration case uh, this week. Baseball did something kind of odd. They took all the pitchers... Who were in arbitration for the first time, and they waited till all the hearings took place, and then they released all the findings or all the results or all the decisions, whatever you want to call it, at once. And I don't really know why they did that. Uh, it, it was different arbitration panels. I don't know if the panels got together. I, I don't think they could. That would be that'd be like collusion. I would think so. Uh, I don't. I don't know why they they did it, but they did it, and Chase Anderson uh, ends up losing his. Uh, arbitration hearing to the brewer—always an uncomfortable situation. Like I just don't get it. There was what three, four hundred thousand dollars difference between what the Brewers wanted to pay him and what he wanted to get paid. I understand. Look, I don't make four hundred thousand dollars a year. I don't make three hundred thousand dollars a year. I understand that that is a lot of money, but in the in through the filter of baseball economics, it really isn't that much money. Why in the world would you ever go to? an arbitration hearing where you got to sit in the same room as one of the guys you're expecting to play for you this year and talk about why he doesn't deserve, you know, openly talk about why he doesn't deserve the amount of money that that he wants to get paid for to me not going to that is worth $300,000 not my money but to me that is easily worth $300,000 so we'll touch on that coming up uh, later on and one of the big topics today I think if you want to be concerned about something this year, if you're just there's people in this world who always have to be worried about something. We've all met them. We know who they are. They're just always worried about something. They just can't have any peace in their life. Well, if you're one of those type of people, I'm sorry that, that you are that way, but uh, I'm not going not gonna to get on you about it. Uh, but what I'm going to do is I'm going to try to help you navigate where you should be worried because there's a lot of people who are worried about a lot of areas of this Brewers team going forward and i think some of those areas are going to be just fine one area that i think it's worth being legitimately concerned about is what's going to take place behind the plate and it's what's going to take place behind the plate from from all ways like you can be worried about the offense of shortstop Orlando Arcia that's cool like i get that he last year he did not do much at the plate but you're, you're not worried about what he's going to be able to do um, defensively. He's already a plus Major League shortstop from a defensive standpoint. Like, so there's, there, the problem behind the plate is you've got a bunch of guys who you don't know what you're going to get with them behind the plate you don't know what they're going to be able to do uh, in terms of helping a young pitching staff develop. You don't know what they're going to be able to do when they're at the plate themselves. Uh, there's just a lot of question marks about the catching position for the Brewers, and uh, I certainly want to touch on that and get your take as well uh, if you're worried about it. And look, there are free agent catchers still out there, namely Matt Weeters, who, uh, if you heard my, uh, my crosstalk with uh, Greg at the end of Sports Central this past week, Scott Boris compared uh, Weeters to Carlton Fisk. Look, like Weeders is a good catcher. He's he's not Carlton Fisk, uh, but if he's out there long enough, and there's there's other a lot of people just assume that he's going to eventually sign with the Washington Nationals. That they're going to he's eventually just going to take a one year deal with the Nationals and, and try to go uh, set himself up for next year, but. If he sticks on the market long enough, maybe something happens. And we'll see what's going to happen with that uh, moving forward. Again, if you'd like to join the program, 414-799-1620 or the AccuNet Mortgage Toll Free Talk Line, 800-877-1620. Legitimate expectations of Junior Guerra for this upcoming season. Can he repeat what he did last season in what was just an absolutely spectacular season we'll talk about it next it's brewers weekly on wtmj brewers weekly continues here on wtmj my name is matt paulie if you'd like to join us 414-799-1620 or the accunet mortgage toll free talk line You can always tweet at me if you would like or follow me on Twitter. Keep the conversation going on Twitter, at Matt Pawley Radio, M-A-T-T-P-A-U-L-E-Y Radio. I always monitor the Twitter account throughout the course of uh, the program as well. So if you'd like to uh, get your comments in, I will uh, keep keep an eye on that as we continue on uh, throughout the program. So, look, I've spent a lot of time on the starting rotation here recently. And I do think the starting rotation is a strength of this Brewers team. I think you got three guys this year in Junior Guerra, Zach Davies and Willie Peralta, who you can really count on to give you good starts more often than not. And I think you got a pretty solid competition for those final couple spots between Matt Garza, between Jimmy Nelson, Chase Anderson, Tommy Malone. Um, and, and we'll see how we'll see how this all works out, and we don't need to go back into the conversation of what happens to the guys who don't make it into the starting rotation. Uh, we'll just let this play out. And look, I'm not trying to be a sky is falling. I'm not trying to alert you or alarm you about things that don't need to be alarmed about. You don't need to be alarmed about. But uh, one one area that I'm just I'm cautious about this season because I've seen it before. I'm cautious about Junior Guerra. Guerra last year, 9-3, and 2.81 ERA. Uh, between his five starts at AAA before he came up and then his 20 starts in Colorado Springs, he threw about 130 innings last year. That's a lot of innings for a guy who hadn't started more than five games in a season since he started five games in Mexico back in 2012. Uh, and actually check that. He started eight games in 2015 for Charlotte. But he was still mainly a bullpen guy. 26 games, only eight starts. His innings went significantly higher. Even that year, 2015 in Charlotte, uh, between Charlotte and Chicago that year, he threw just under 70 innings. So we're talking about going in one season, going from 70 innings to 100 and, um, 150 or so. Uh, we see this happen all the time, where a guy breaks out and then kind of takes a step back. And, and very often, we see a guy break out, take a step back, and then take another step forward. So look, I'm, I'm still very high on Junior Guerin. I think he's going to do uh, a nice job. But I, I am a little concerned about what to expect from him this year. Is it fair to expect that he can have a sub three ERA? He had a nine and three record, and it's not fair to judge pitchers off their records because they they uh, they're winning and losing a game. It has so much to do with stuff outside of their control. So let's get rid of the wins and losses. Two point eight one ERA. He strikes out a hundred and a hundred and twenty one innings. Uh, only walks 43 so he had almost a two to one he had better than a two to one strikeout to walk ratio what what are the expectations going into this next season and it's a it's a question that i wish i could answer i don't have the answer for you all i can say is it's fair to hope that he can just be the guy that he was last year but i also think that If he takes a little bit of a step back this upcoming season, it's not the end of the world, and it can almost be borderline expected. You know, last year at the trade deadline, and Ashton, we talked about this a lot, last year at the trade deadline, I was very much in favor of trading away Junior Guerra. And I was in favor of trading away Junior Guerra, uh, not because I didn't like him, and not because I didn't think he was a good pitcher. He was the best starting pitcher last year for, for the Brewers. Him and Zach Davies, but I would I would take day I would take Gara for what he did throughout the full season, you know just a just a, a notch ahead of Zach Davies. The reason I was in favor of trading Junior Guerra if you know, the big if is if you could get a great package of prospects back for him. I just didn't want to see him unload him. But if you could if you could really make your team better, uh, David Stearns always talks about uh, going and acquiring. You know, cost-controlled young talent. If you could go get some top-level prospects for Junior Guerra last year, I was in favor of the organization doing it because he was unproven. And we sit here sometimes and we talk about Junior Guerra and we talk about him like he's a completely proven starter. He has one good Major League season. One. And, you know, one one season does not make a guy. It's And here's another way to look at this. So Tommy Malone, what's your what's your general thought right now on Tommy Malone and what's going to happen with him going into this year? Just, just kind of formulate that for yourself right now. Got it? Okay. Uh, Tommy Malone, I'm going to give you some of his numbers from some of his better years of his career in in the big leagues. He had a three point nine two ERA with a nine and five record in 2015 in 24 games. Um, in 2014, he had a 3.55 ERA uh, in, let's see, he started uh, 16 games for Oakland that season. In 2012, he had a 3.74 ERA. And mind you, he's pitching in the American League, more offensive type league, that, that, that sort of thing. So those are all really good years for Tommy Malone. You probably don't think much about Tommy Malone right now because last year for Minnesota he struggled and went 3-5 and five with a 5.71 ERA. But if we're being completely honest about this, Tommy Malone has a, much more of a track record than Junior Guerra because he's got three pretty good big league seasons in his career. Junior Guerra's got one. And you go look at just about any pitcher out there, any pitcher, and go through their, their years they're going to have a year or two where they don't perform quite up to snuff, and that's where that's where I'm worried about Junior Gare. I just I I, I think to myself, we are expecting him to completely repeat what he did last year, and I, while I hope that is the case, I'm not sure if that's going to happen. And again, to to finish my point from a moment ago. That's why I was in favor of them uh, potentially trading him last year at the trade deadline because he had no track record. and anytime you can uh, take a guy who doesn't have a lot of a tra- much of a track record and go get a ton of talent for him, I think you win that deal more often than not. I'll finish with this though. Gara's split finger pitch. it's a pitch that you don't see many guys use anymore. it's barely even taught anymore. It is an absolutely devastating pitch. That when when he gets two strikes on you, you are in trouble because of that pitch. So much so that hitters have to change their approach against him, and they have to swing at some probably some bad stuff before getting to strike two, just to avoid being in a strike two situation and having to see that pitch. And the the, the one that's the one area where I've got a lot of confidence in Junior Guerra being able to repeat what he did last year. Is he's got the sing, that that single devastating pitch, and that is a reason that maybe just maybe he can repeat uh, what he did last season. We'll have to wait and see on what's going to uh, what's going to happen. Um, Chase Anderson had his arbitration case heard and uh, finished off this past week. How did it go, and what does it mean for him going forward? We'll talk about it in a moment. This is Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. continues here on wtmj my name is matt Paul if you'd like to join us 414-799-1620 or the acunet mortgage toll-free talk line at 800-877-1620 see the bucks own all-star before the season ends tune into sports central all this week as we give away a pair of bucks uh, bucks tickets every night don't miss your chance to see Giannis and the rest of the young bucks this season We're talking Brewers, uh, right now. You know, last week when I did the show, and it was, uh, you know, pitchers and catchers had not yet reported. Last week when I did this show, I think it was, was it 16 degrees out or 6 degrees? It was really cold. It was really, really, really cold. This week, 34 degrees right now. That's not, that's not horrible. We're gonna be in the 50s over the next few days. You know, it's, it's starting to inch closer and closer and closer. To baseball weather especially in the first couple months of the season that's what I experienced last year my first year uh, working with it, is, it working with the Brewers it is cold for the first couple months of the season I don 't know if they had the roof open at all in the month of even May I mean it was just it was cold and it wasn't until June hit that uh, that finally things started changing from a weather standpoint and Miller Park is so different when when the panels are closed and the roof is closed, the ball is just it doesn't fly. But when the, when the roof opens up and the uh, panels are open, that ball starts flying. That's part of why I think we have to give Travis Shaw a little bit of time to see who he really is going to be with the Brewers. I, I just expect his offensive numbers to really go up once the weather, once the weather starts to, uh, starts to warm up. So Chase Anderson, uh, this past week, went to arbitration with the Brewers. Now, if you hear going to arbitration all the time and you don't completely understand the process, basically here's the deal. Uh, as a Major League Baseball team, you have exclusive control over your players for a finite amount of time. And every year that goes by, those players get a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. So once you get into the final three years of of having full club control before they can be an unrestricted free agent, uh, you have arbitration. And what that is, is you have committed to um, having him with your team that season, and you are going to pay him market value, essentially. And if you cannot uh, come to an agreement on what market value is, a decision is made by a three-person panel, an arbitration panel, and that's what happened here. And the the way the system works is... The team says how much they want to pay a guy. The guy says how much he wants to be paid. And then the panel makes a decision on one of the two. The panel cannot say, so in this situation, Chase Anderson wanted to make $2.85 million. The Brewers wanted to pay him $2.45 million. So a difference of $400,000. The arbitration panel is not allowed to say, well, we'll split the difference and we'll pay him $2.65 million. You can't do that. It's somebody wins, somebody loses, it's one or the other. And in this situation, Chase Anderson lost. And uh, he will make $2.45 million this upcoming season. Uh, last year, he was 9-11 with a 4.39 ERA in 31 games. He had some really good moments last year, but he also he had some moments that were not especially good. And I mean, don't forget... The the Brewers starting pitching was was really good last year and it was you know, over the final couple couple months it was among the best in major league baseball. But in May, the Brewers had the worst ERA for starting pitchers, worst ERA for pitching overall of, of anybody in the National League. And when you look at his season in April 5.55 ERA then in May he lowered it to 4.55 In June it jumped up to 6.46 then July and August were pretty good 4.03 4.07 and then small sample size in the month of September when he makes five appearances and he had a 1.98 ERA so it was up and down it was trending in the right direction as the uh, as the season did come to an end he and the Baseball did something weird, or the players' union agreed to. Uh, generally, you go to arbitration, the panel hears you, they make a decision, the next day they announce it. This year, all pitchers who were arbitration eligible for the uh, for the first time, they held the decisions and announced them all at once, which I don't know why they did that. I don't think the, the different arbitration panels were, were talking to each other. But when all is said and done, uh, Chase Anderson wins, You always wonder, I'd love to talk to Anderson and get his truthful thoughts on what it was like sitting in that room during that arbitration hearing. Because what it is, is you as a player present a case on why you should make the money. So Chase Anderson and his representation went to the panel and they presented a case on why he should make $2.85 million. The Brewers, on the other hand, made a presentation essentially saying why he shouldn't make 2.85 million dollars and why it should instead be 2.45 million it's got to be it's got to be one of the most odd situations that that you ever go through as a professional where your employer in a very public kind of way because it's happening in a room not public in the sense that you and I get to hear what happened but public in the sense that that you're in a room standing next to each other and uh, you're hearing why you should not make this amount of money. That's what I look I'm of the belief that when when you when you've got a difference of less than half a million dollars just pay the guy what he wants just pay him or go to him and see if there's any chance to meet in the middle or meet a little bit halfway past halfway yeah you know, there's a New York Yankee that there's a difference between there's a difference of 2 million dollars I'm trying to remember who it was but uh, he filed for six million, and the Yankees want to pay him four million. Like that's a that's a significant difference, and you probably can't make that up, uh, even with the Yankees. But difference in uh, two point four five million to two point eight five million. A little surprised this ended up uh, at arbitration, but it did. The club wins it, and uh, our Anderson will make two point four five million dollars this upcoming season. This is Brewers Weekly uh, coming up. Want to get into I think what's What is a bit of a situation for the Brewers? And we'd love to hear your take at 414-799-1620 or the Accudet Mortgage Toll-Free Talk Line at 800-877-1620. You as a Brewers fan, you were absolutely spoiled over the past however many years with Jonathan Lucroy behind the plate. Well, now you're not spoiled by Lucroy. And now it's trying to figure out not just who the catcher is going to be this year, but also trying to figure out who the catcher is going to be moving forward. It's, it's it's a big unknown for this organization what's going to take place behind the plate. The biggest difference between this team last year and this year is there behind the plate. And a lot of in-house options. How does that affect things? There's still some out-of-house options that are very unlikely to come to fruition, but uh, you never know. Uh, we'll talk about it next. I want to hear your takes uh, on the uh, on the catching situation as well at 414-799-1620 or the AccuDent Mortgage Toll-Free Talk Line, 800-877-1620. This is Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Brewers Weekly continues here on WTMJ. Brewers pitchers and catchers in Arizona for spring training. You know, we uh really get into all things uh, Brewers on Brewers Extra Innings, the podcast. It's a new endeavor that uh, I am hosting uh, each week on uh, WTMJ Mobile. Uh, I'll generally recorded on Sunday nights. It generally uh, drops at some point uh, Sunday evening. If, so if you subscribe, your uh, mobile device will download it uh, on Sunday evening. Uh, but if you are somebody who just wants to uh, listen to it, go find it. You can generally find it Monday mornings. And uh, looking forward to a uh, another edition coming up uh, this weekend. And make sure to check it out each and every week on WTMJ Mobile. All right, so... Look, the the Brewers' situation behind the plate is it's not great, to be honest with you, and it's not great because you've got unproven guys. I'm not, I'm not, you know, killing these guys because they 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 might turn into something and it might turn into a strength eventually. But right now, it's not a strength. Uh, right now, you have a competition: uh, Jet Bandy, Manny Pena, Andrew Susac are in competition, two of those three guys, unless there's some sort of free agent signing or or trade, two of those three guys will probably break camp. Yeah, sometimes the, the Brewers, and it's funny talking about a depth chart in terms of baseball because the depth chart is very football-y, uh, but the Brewers do post a depth chart at Brewers.com. Now, I don't know how much, for all I know, some intern is just inserting names here and doing the best they can. Like, this is not... This is not team issued. Craig Council is not putting together a new depth chart on a weekly basis the way football coaches do. Uh, but when you go to Brewers.com and look at their depth chart uh, for whatever that's worth, they've got Bandy number one, Pina number two, Susak number three. I don't think it's going to work out that way. With all due respect to Pena, to me, he profiles out as a guy that you can put at AAA. Can do a nice job down there, and if you have an injury, if you have a situation where you have to bring a guy up, he's uh, you can trust to bring him up, and he's not going to embarrass himself. And I think that you know when you're talking about a a third catcher, a guy who's at A and that you just call up on occasion, that's really what you're looking for. You're looking for a guy who's going to handle pitching staff enough, you know, well enough, and not embarrass themselves. And that's exactly what you have with Manny Pena. Could he be more than that? I don't see it, but you know what? He he had some he had some nice moments last year, and, and I think that's the that's the thing to remember. So before I start killing these guys, and I'm not I'm not going to try to kill them, but before I before I go to a little bit of a negative place, let me remind you that last year, after Jonathan Lucroy got traded, the catchers performed well, namely Martin Maldonado, uh, but but you had you had Manny Pena there. Um, who who did a nice job as well. But Martin Maldonado did a good job behind the plate, and he did a good enough job at the plate. If you look at his splits and what he did after he took over as essentially the, the everyday catcher, his numbers did go up. And he had some pop off his bat. He didn't embarrass himself. He was fine. And by the way, the pitching numbers actually got better after Jonathan Lucroy left. And that's not a shot of Jonathan Lucroy at all. That's uh, A lot of credit need to be needs to be given there. Uh, to the pitchers and, and to Craig Council and, and his entire coaching staff, but you still had, you still kind of had the aura, you still had the residue of Jonathan Lucroy on that team. Even after Lucroy left, he still had, had made an imprint on that team. So now you're going into this year, and you got two guys in, in Bandy and Susac who have barely been with the organization. Susac last year was a trail, was acquired in the Will Smith deal, went to AAA, didn't get called up until late in the season, made a handful of appearances. Pena played a little bit, and then Bandy was traded for Martin Maldonado in the offseason. So you have very little experience with these guys with the team. And then none of them have been everyday starting catchers for an entire season. I I am curious what's going to happen behind the plate. The... The win-now part of me, and I'm not trying to go back into a Matt Weider's discussion here. We've done that. But the win-now part of me would love to see the Brewers go get somebody and improve behind the plate. But the, okay, this team needs to figure out what they have in those guys and figure out whether or not one of those guys can can be the guy in the future, says... Let, let's 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 see how they do. Let's see how this whole thing plays out. The last year when there was talk about Jonathan Lucroy being traded, and we took a ton of phone calls on Jonathan Lucroy potentially being traded, and the only point that I ever really agreed with on why Lucroy should not be traded was the idea of how he behind the plate was able to affect the younger pitchers. And I thought that was a great point. I agreed with that one hundred percent that Luke Roy could have a huge impact on young pitchers and help in their development. And if there was ever a reason not to trade him last year, that was that was the reason. So I take that to this year and I say, you know, what what will Jet Bandy, what will Andrew Susak, what will these guys do in terms of being able to help the pitchers? I don't have an answer. I feel like that's that's a theme of today's show that I don't have an answer. More than anything else, at this you know, pitchers and catchers just reported a few days ago and full squad first full squad workout isn't until Saturday. This isn't a time for answers. Those answers will present themselves a as spring training moves on, but B once once the regular season gets started. And you know what? once Cactus league play starts, if if there is an issue behind the plate. If these guys just are not getting the job done, if they're not able to communicate with pitchers the way that Craig Counsell and David Stearns wants them to be able to, and, and a guy like Matt Weiders is still available, maybe that changes the way the Brewers uh, think about it. But you've gone through this entire offseason. It started by saying, you know, Martin Maldonado and uh, Andrew Susack would be uh, the guys, and the Maldi gets traded, so Bandy comes in. But, you know, the... These guys have essentially been told that they're going into spring training with an opportunity to compete for a job, and not that they couldn't still, you know, technically compete for that job if they, uh, if somebody else was brought in. But let's see how these guys respond. You know, sometimes, sometimes competition, sometimes the the opportunity to really be a guy, to really take something over. Um, Motivates and, and, and really is the catalyst for a surprising situation. And these guys are saying all the right things, by the way. They're absolutely saying all the right things in terms of uh, what they want to do and the work that they're willing to put in. And, um, you know, for, for Andrew Susack, how happy does he have to be that he finally doesn't have Buster Posey in front of him? You know, in San Francisco... There was not a avenue, there was not a route for Susack to be the starting catcher. He had to get moved. You know, when you're Jet Bandy, how happy are you that you don't have to look at Mike Socha every day now? A guy who is hard on catchers, a guy who is a catcher himself, and is no, if you are not, you have to have a very certain type of mental, physical makeup to be a catcher and to handle Mike Socha. So... This is this has got to be completely liberating for both Susac and Bandy. They have not had this opportunity throughout their career, but the question is, can they run with it? And that's the question we're going to be sitting here trying to answer for uh, for quite some time moving forward. Uh, there was an interesting thing, and if you listen to the show, you know I talk about the uh, the prospect rankings. Look, where the where the Brewers are right now, prospects matter. And do they will they all come through? No. And I look we get calls all the time about you know, I'm sick of hearing about prospects. I'm sick of hearing about prospects and I understand it because yeah, you know what, there's you look at the brewer's top prospects right now, if you were to go to go pick up a baseball America book, or if you go to M L B pipeline and you bring up the, the top thirty prospects for the Milwaukee Brewers. You know, I can sit here and be excited about all these guys, and I think I think some of these guys are absolutely can't miss type players. I felt like Orlando Arcia was a can't miss. I think Lewis Brinson is a can't miss. I think Josh Hader is a can't miss. But in the same sense, you know, Brett Phillips fell off this past year. Jorge Lopez fell off this past year, and, and they were top ten prospects in the organization. Phillips still is. So these. It's not a guarantee that these guys are going to um, are going to come through. That's why you need to get as many of these top level prospects as you possibly can, even if you just bat 500. If you know if half of these guys come through, the Brewers are going to be in, in perfectly good shape because they've got so much talent. But we talk about these lists and this guy's ranked this and this guy's ranked that. The Brewers are not real happy. Not not that's the wrong way to say it. Not super excited about the idea of these players looking at the rankings a little bit too much. Tom Hodricourt had an interesting piece about it in the Journal Sentinel. I want to give my take on it. We'll do that next. It's Brewers Weekly on WTMJ. Brewers Weekly continues here on WTMJ. If Some states, including Wisconsin, really do pull funding from Planned Parenthood. Will that mean the end of health care services for women? Jeff Wagner goes over the details tomorrow morning at 935. My name is Matt Pawley. You can still get in here if you'd like at 414-799-1620 or the Acunet Mortgage Toll-Free Talk Line, 800-877-1620. Look, we talk about it all the time, the prospect rankings, uh, and it's becoming more and more mainstream. For years and years and years, it was only Baseball America. You had to buy a book more often than not you had to special order the book uh it wasn't even available in bookstores uh you know they're now a lot more online they still have the books which are fun books to read by the way if you pick up the the prospect handbook every year and you want to know something about the uh, the future of the uh brewers it's a it's a good read that baseball america does mlb pipeline uh they've just gotten into the business over the last five years or so and uh, their content is great online so in the recent top hundred prospect list by Baseball America, base, uh, Brewers had six players in it: Brent Lewis, Brentson, Josh Hader, Corey Ray, Luis uh, Ortiz, Brandon Woodruff, and Asan Diaz. You, you hear us talk about it all the time about where these guys are at. Craig Council was asked by Tom Hodricourt this week about what the message is that they give young guys about all these. Um, all these lists, and, and whether or not they should be reading it. And Council's quote was in Hodder uh, Court's piece was, quote: The message we've given all minor leaguers is that everybody's on a list. We've made it harder on them as far as expectations and focusing on things that are really irrelevant when you are on a list. People love lists. It makes everything clean. Lists make life clean. But for these guys, it's external stuff and unneeded stuff. So the Brewers don't want their prospects looking at the list. I can talk about them. The Brewers aren't supposed to read them. We'll wrap up this edition of Brewers Weekly. That's next on WTMJ. Wrapping up this edition of Brewers Weekly here on WTMJ, here is the uh, schedule for the next week or so. Tomorrow, Full Squad's report down in Maryville. The first full squad workout for the Brewers on Saturday. And then a week from tomorrow, they will play a game for the first time. They are opening up with a game against the UWM Panthers. They do that to open things up. That's Friday the 24th. And then they'll really get into a Cactus League play uh, after that. So we're just about there. Well, next week, but well, we're going to be the day before the opener. I'm excited for that. Look forward to talking to you next week on Brewers Weekly here on WTMJ.